This is Comedy on Edge, the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. For more information and back episodes, visit ComedyOnEdge.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Dave, hit the music. the podcast we are in edge's new hq the library hotel in the basement there's three of us here and there's 60 empty chairs in front of us so i don't know if that's an omen for anything or what so i'm your host mark williamson and i'm joined today by two very special guests guests that you might know their voices you might know them a little bit i don't think you know that much of them so ladies and gentlemen my guests today are ryan crawford thanks hello ryan hello mark great to be here that's good. And producer Dave Keishan. Dave, how are you? Good. How are we going? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. We've got an empty chair here. Basically, what's happened, we we thought we'd just do an episode, just just get to know us. Um, it's not down to the fact that I forgot to book a guest or someone no-show, but we just thought we'd get to know each other. Isn't that right, boys? That's uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. It's all part of the plan from day one. Ryan, what, it's, I believe it's your birthday today. Yeah, it is. It is. Um Pretty good day so far, I have to say. Not too bad at all. Well, that's good. That's good. Did you think? Did you think to yourself like this time last year on your birthday you'd be in the basement of a hotel eating a bag of lollies and just talking to two guys on a microphone? You know what? I'd never really dared to dream that high. Um, but it's just been a whirlwind tour and quite a year. I'm glad to be here. Do you think where, where are you going to be next year? You know, like you know, could be <laughs> yeah, podcasting adventure. I don't think you could get much better, to be honest. No, no it's the highlights. And what about you, Dave? You've just it's the week of Sydney Comedy Festival. Over. You had a pretty good show this yeah, year. Yeah, we had uh, we, we did our, f- our first show in the Sydney Comedy Festival. Me and my. Uh, uh, life partner uh, Andrew Barnett, and uh, <laughs> good sales, good night, uh, great experience. Uh, looking forward to next year. Sweet, and that's well, that's good. That's good. I it's funny enough during the festival they have a Sydney Comedy Festival podcast, and I was a guest on. And they had this. It's weird being on other podcasts. It felt like sort of like it's kind of like when you get a new car and you drive it. You know, it gets a bit used. I don't know if that analogy is really appropriate, but you did the did you do the podcast I, as well? I did the podcast, but it was kind of interesting because. Your man was explaining uh, how a podcast works, and I'm like, yeah, I know. I'll do one too. And uh, he had the whole thing. He got the Zoom and everything, but it was... Uh, did, he, did he explain the etymology of the word podcast as well, just to give you the background and where it comes from? No, but he, he did explain the etymology of the word etymology. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, you, guys are, you guys are on a different level. I or is that know. entomology? Which is the one Entomo- of insects? Entomology is the insects, right. yeah. Etymology Entom- is like the history of words. Right. No, I've just done it and explained it, so that's great. <laughs> Well done. It's sort of we, we went a little segue, it went in a little circle, and yeah, that was good. So, but what what um, the one thing I found about that podcast that was interesting was it started off with a question. You got asked a question by the comedian who was on be, like um, before you. Like my question was by a Queensland comic, Damien Power. And it was like, if you could go back to the thirties, what would you do? So I'm going to pose this like, and I had to think of this on the fly, and I had my answer. But let's, I think it's a good... Let's let's have a chat. Dave, what would you do if you went back in time to the 30s? I'd go and try and find the Nazis uh, digging stuff in Egypt when they're trying to find the, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. Right. Right. <laughs> Is that a Indiana Jones reference? Wow. Laser, razor there sharp. There you go. Yeah. I, for someone, like, I know f- bugger yeah. all about certain aspects of pop culture, but I picked that one up. So you, you'd, you'd pretty much go back and reenact Indiana Jones? Okay. What would you do, Ryan? You have to say, uh, when, when the 30s come up, the first thing that popped in my head is some sort of you know, crude joke about you know, assassinating Hitler. But um, 
But I think I'd it's been you know, done. I think I think from a what the joke has been. <laughs> no, 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 not not the joke. <laughs> just the whole. I mean, wasn't that um, Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, but yeah, well, that, that wasn't true. a time travel movie, though. and and it wasn't exactly a historical document either. Actually, Family was, uh, Guy did a, a little, little known thing that Inglorious Bastards. Uh, well, in the world, like all of Tarantino's movies are connected. They all have characters that flow between them. Like yeah, no, he rips off other people. Like no, 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 <laughs> but the characters themselves. Uh, well, so the, the Vince Vega, who was in uh, Pulp Fiction, and Vic Vega were in Reservoir Dogs. That's right. They're meant to be brothers in that ah. universe. And they were going to do a movie, like a prequel movie, where they brought them back because they both kind of sort of died at the end of their respective movies. Spoiler alert. But the, the main thing is that in that world, in that world... Inglorious Bastards is uh, their their past, and it's a movie set in their past. So that's the that's their world. So what you're saying is Quentin Tarantino movies are kind of like Kevin Smith movies, but only successful. Exactly. Yeah. Fair point. So, so Ryan, what would you would you try and kill Hitler? No, no, no. That was the first thing that popped in my head, and I quickly no, no, dismissed so it as a cliche. See, like you guys have given, like you guys had kind of like my my response was. I'd take a stack of iPods, iPhones back and go, look what I've invented. I'd also claim every joke under the sun. No, I'd be the renaissance man. can't because the dock connector won't work. Well, there you go. I'd just you go know, you couldn't, this shiny you bit of glass. You couldn't, you couldn't get any music onto it because you wouldn't have a computer to put it onto. You know, it's just you, you actually, details, Dave, <laughs> details. The other thing I'd do is I'd claim every joke. I'd, I'd go back writing songs. I'd be the renaissance man of the 30s. But the funny thing about that well, is... Well, you'd bring what, Bill Hicks material back to the 30s? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I was going to say, the, the idea of that is quite... It's interesting is that you could try that. You could like bring like a Robin Williams like material back to. Did the they 30s. have cocaine in the 30s? Yeah, exactly. And then you'd get lynched. It's like, oh my god, this guy is a moral uh, a moral vacuum. What's going well, on? That's with true. Well, yeah, I, never, I say I never. Th- say so you guys with your logistics, I never thought of that. See, I'm, I'm always I'm actually watch TV far too much, and one of the biggest fears of me is accidentally being sent back in time. And it's like, you, and, and what happens? <laughs> Why are you afraid of that? Can you be I didn't of it. No, no, because you know, I just have to protect against it. You know, and it's like, well, what happens if you know you have to plan each like decade? So if it was like the sixties, dude, you're not wearing alcohol on your head at night or anything. Right? <laughs> you, know, you think I should? <laughs> if that helps, you know, with yeah. the time travel problem. No, but if you go back to the sixties, you know, you, you'd what, write all the Beatles music before they do. Yeah. You know, in the seventies, invest in Apple stock, and in the eighties, invent parachute pants. You know, it's like yeah. each decade has to be taken care of. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly go back. That was going to be my. Second answer is uh, let's go back to the 30s, and I'd probably just quite evilly invest in munitions companies. See, I wouldn't do that. Make a lot of money. I would go back and Kill I people. would buy every plot of land that is now a major skyscraper. I'd buy like the one. This is and Dave used to be a resident Bondo Beach in the 70s. Were like Bondo Beach was always a kind of slum because no one wanted to live there because the fear was when it's in the war times. Australia would get invaded, and where would they come from? From the beach. Yeah. So Bondi was just. There was a bit of that. No, in the seventies, uh, on it was they, they had the outflow pipe there. Yeah. And then they had like the Bondi brown fish was quite common. Yeah. And <laughs> then they put into the deep. And then beep. they replaced it with backpackers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the where I grew up in Canberra, there's a story kind of related to that whole fear of uh, of, of invasion by sea. Now. I'm not sure if uh, any any sharp listeners will, will spot that this is bullshit or not. But what I heard is that the reason Canberra got chosen as a site as the capital was because at the time the biggest threat to any kind of capital city was navy bombardment. And then, like five years after they put it in the coldest, darkest, most awful place in the whole of the country. Hello to all our Canberra listeners. No, I'm from there. I'm allowed to say. Oh, okay, it. okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Um, the uh, the intercontinental ballistic missile was uh, was invented, so it was a completely pointless decision. 
see in the world, like, I would think Canberra would probably be one of the least likely targets of terrorists or anyone. I mean, I'm thinking, who'd, who'd, who'd come after us? Like, the what if North Korea ever gets a missile and just redirects... <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably fair to say that any kind of genuine fear that anybody ever had about Australia being invaded and our capital being taken over is um, is far fetched at best. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like this thing, I, like I thought they chose Canberra because wasn't it supposed to be halfway between Melbourne and Sydney, or am I just imagining that? Because it's no, not really. It's not halfway, and no, I don't think that was. I mean, it was it was supposed to be neither Melbourne or Sydney, and it was yeah. supposed to be in its own territory. But there were heaps and heaps of sites that they wanted to choose from. And it had nothing to do with being in between, I don't think. Uh, see, I thought they should have gone for the middle of the country. It should be like just, you know, Alice Springs. <laughs> yeah, just stick it at Uluru, yeah. I mean, imagine question time in the heat. It would be fantastic. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be dusty, in dusty plains. Well, I see, I think, yeah, Canberra. The, it's funny, like, because I think we're similar in... Ca- can you guys, trivia, can you name the capital of Canada? Uh, is that um, Toronto? Alberta? Ottawa. Mm. So I guess the answer is no, we can't. Yeah, th- but there you go. Like, it's like, I'm sure, I wonder if we go to Canada and go, can you name the capital of Australia? I'd imagine Sydney or Melbourne would probably get more press coverage. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a, I mean the old cliche stories of the, of the expat Aussie family in London sending their poor little Australian child to school and getting told that the capital of Australia is actually Sydney um, when they put the answer camera on their tests and got told that they were wrong. I actually know somebody that that happened to. Really? So Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's, really? Yeah. <laughs> so not only not only were they uh, you know, were they just not willing to take her word for it being from the country they um, marked it down on a test as well so there you go nice nice well ladies and gentlemen I should probably introduce Ryan's Ryan's relatively new to the pod this is what your this is your official second podcast with us yeah that'd be about right so we went through an audition process with Ryan we we auditioned thousands and thousands of people we we scrutinise them and we selected Ryan and what we got him to do I got Ryan to write out a list of questions that. We can ask guests. So what I'm going to do is, before we unleash them on the guests, we're going to unleash them. I'm going to unleash Ryan's question on Ryan himself and Dave. So let, let's 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 pick. You, I, you've given me a lazy thirty questions. I'm I sorry. Like that. I'm sorry, Dave. Sorry. No, that's okay. I think the listener should be sorry too, not Dave. <laughs> so let, let's start off with it. Let's start off with it. We'll, we'll, I'll lob you a softball. Who's your favourite Simpsons character? Um, that's actually one of the hardest questions you could possibly ask me. I've got so many favourites, but I would have to—I would have to say—it's hard to go past um, Mr. Burns. Uh, just that—that that evil, that evil genius, and that—that that, uh, ironic. What about you, Dave? Your favourite? Uh, mine's uh, the the lawyer Gill. I don't know if anyone remembers Gill. He was oh the salesman, the salesman, salesman, the lawyer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Gill. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. Like that's based on the. Uh, Jack Lemmon character in Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Yes, yeah. and uh, you know it's sort of it's amped up a level because of that. Yeah, but yeah. he has been. Well, to be fair, I mean, let's, let's the walls let's, are at Old Guild's door. Let's <laughs> let, let's bat this question back. Um, so, being like a pop culture kind of people, we all have loads and loads of Simpson quotes in our heads. But when is about the last time, like season-wise, you think where you just don't remember mm. the quotes anymore? For yeah. me, it's about maybe ten or eleven. Yeah, See, I don't. I've probably watched the first ten seasons, but then I'll be honest. I switched to Family Guy, and I, if Simpsons is on TV, I'll watch it. But I haven't. But I think that's my point. Is that yeah. there was a, a hardcore where you, it was like must see TV, and you got to see it. And yeah, but yeah. I, I think TV uh, viewing patterns have changed. Where like I like there are some seasons I rush out, and I'll, I'm old school. I buy them on a DVD, and I think. Like, I'm waiting at the moment for the next season of Breaking Bad. That's my new show. But 
I think I take The Simpsons for granted because it's like, oh, it's on. I, you can watch it once a day in Australia. And, like yeah. it's either on 10 or... Yeah, yeah. but on, on Channel 10, they're still showing like episodes from seasons 1 through 12 mostly. Do you know every time they air The Simpsons, it costs the network 25 grand? Yeah, it doesn't surprise How me. How much money must Matt Groening be earning? If that's like every... I mean, how many times a day is that... Is it being played yeah. around the world? Yeah, I know. Well, he's up there. I mean, it's like the, the, uh, the Seinfeld guys and the residuals alone that they get. It's just crazy. That's the trick. You want to get one of those shows. Or, you know, or write one of those shows. Or, or do or something to do with one of those shows. It'd be fantastic. Oh, well, if you, were, if you, could, <laughs> if you could write a, a show. Get, let, let's, let's, let's kick... I'm sure there's some network people out there. Let's kick a show around that we can make. What? I think the best show ever... And I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm a fan, because I wouldn't actually call myself a oh, fan. Don't tell me he's going to say Star Trek. No, no, no. <laughs> Mi- Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson's character. Genius. Now, you might not think it's genius, but he barely speaks. Which uh, means... Uh, I, I know. Yeah. Tiny, tiny bits. Which means they can sell it into Bean. every market mm. on the planet, and they don't true. have to translate it. It's like it goes to, goes to India, it goes to China. Is he, is he big in Japan? I think he is. He's big oh. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's that they're actually talking... There's two shows... Um, do you guys know Bottom, the English? Yeah, UK? yeah. Rick that's, Yeah, Rick and Adrian. That's one of my favourite shows. That and Mr. Bean, there's talk of bringing them back as like Mr. Bean in a retirement home and the guys from Bottom in a retirement home too. Like sort of... The guys from Bottom should be running the retirement home uh-huh. then. <laughs> oh, God. <yeah. laughs> no, we've seen Guest House Parody, so we know how that ends. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like Mr. Bean in a... I, like, I think that... that like, that's This is... I read an interview with Roseanne Barr. Like, I used to like TV show Roseanne. Did you guys ever watch that? Yeah, that yeah, was good. Yeah. But sort of it was like an interview with Roseanne where she saw, it's sort of like, where do you see the characters of Roseanne now? Because Roseanne was working class in Detroit and it was pretty bad suburb that back then in the early 90s. Detroit now is one of the world's... It's it's a it's it's the place where you can buy dollar houses. Well, like depopulate the the, yeah. the population went down by like full on half. Yeah, like their whole like, like they're talking about bulldozing entire. Uh, well, they are. They've yeah. Just they've the decline decreased of a, decline of the automotive yeah. industry, right? Yeah, and it's sort of like like because they said to Roseanne, "Where would the characters be now?" And she goes, "Well, in all honesty, DJ, the youngest son, would probably be dead in the Iraq War. You know, the girls would be." And then she sort of halfway through, she stopped and said. You know, this would make an actual good show. And it sort of would be, because, like, you think of all the sitcoms over the years you've invested in. Imagine, like, did you ever, like, I sort of sat and thought, where would some of my favourite, you know, like, characters go? Where do they mm. go to when the series ends? But you know, that, that could be true for everything. I mean, I have a perverse uh, desire to see a movie that what happens to, like, the Bruce Willis character the day after the Die Hard movie, you know? Like what? What? What happens to your life when you've done this thing, and then you got to go back to regular life? I, I guess. I guess the day after Die Hard for most of those things is he'd be in. Uh, he'd be locked in rooms with psychologists oh, and, and internal affairs. And, uh, the whole How life. many people? No, he's killed? old school. <laughs> he'd have a cigarette. Well, the day after Die Hard, he'd be getting his feet fixed up because they got pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, but these are like these are things. Well, I mean, probably less more than the twenty-four hours, but just watch your life. You know, I think they allude to it in the second movie. Everyone tries to interview him. And get their exclusive yeah. story, and you, like you see this elsewhere, but uh, but then you just have to go back to a regular, normal life of just going to work, and you yeah, know. John McClane's a cop who doesn't follow the rules. You know, he'd shoot someone. <laughs> like, yeah. Why'd you shoot that guy? He was jaywalking. I asked him mm. once. Well, but he, it just looked like he was jaywalking, but he was actually planning to steal millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. it was Hans Gruber's cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is Alan Rickman the greatest bad guy of all time? Oh, he's got to be up there, doesn't he? I think, because like, he's got, for me, it's Die Hard, Hans Gruber, amazing. Sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. Yep. Is there a better bad guy actor than Alan Rickman? 
I like Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons uh, in Die Hard 3 is pretty good, but Jeremy Irons in Margin Call as the, the banker who basically crashes the market. Chilling. Absolutely Ooh, chilling. That? No, I haven't seen no. it. So what does Die Hard 3 I like, but the thing that I the scene I don't like is Jeremy Irons was brilliant the whole way through until that scene where they get make the getaway and they have to have sex. They could have gotten away, but oh no, let's have sex. And then McLean comes through the window and you're like, oh come on. But they thought they were away already. They yeah. thought they were done. That's, yeah, the, that's the whole thing. Wasn't, me, counting, it was just wasn't like, counting on that, that, that down so to earth gumshoe detective. What do you think it should have been? They should, they should have got into the small room in the back and started getting the accountants to go over everything they have. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and they're like totaling up like the, the numbers and then he gets a polite knock on the door and it's uh, John McLean yeah, with well, like, I, a, I a warrant for his arrest. pulled off a heist. My first goal would be to get as soon as possible to a country that doesn't have an extradition order with America. Well, they did have... Uh, they went to Canada. They had like 16 great big dump trucks, you know. Full of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You take a few... They robbed a bank, though. Like, they took gold. They could have taken some bonds or some stocks that they could have got rid of, and then they could it have It was the gold okay. reserve. That's yeah, what they I mean, hit over. The gold reserve. That's well, where you find gold. I know, but they could have made... I just thought they could have made the getaway a bit better. I just thought it was like... Okay, we've cut. He rested on his laurels, and he ended up dying in a helicopter. Now crash. you don't want to see the actual alternate ending that they filmed, but didn't actually put on the end. They are you making this up? I, I wish this is true. Uh, uh-huh. This is not a joke. They um, John McClane has got like a, a bazooka that uh, the sights have been knocked off, so they don't know which one is forward and which one is back, and. <laughs> Basically, uh, uh, Simon Gruber Those faces off. Terrorists. Yeah, Simon Gruber <laughs> and uh, 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 John McClane have like a Russian roulette, press the button, and it just happens that it's the Simon Gruber gets blown up. That was an actual ending. Mm, uh, wow. So the one that they do have with the helicopter is a lot better. I yeah, can't imagine why the script doctors got rid of that hang one. On, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Now, I don't know, I'm not a military expert. Obviously. You, yeah, well, obviously, but you mean to tell me there's a bazooka? A bazooka is a weapon that shoots a missile out of it, and you can't tell me which end it's going to fire. I didn't write the scene. I'm going to say what just, the scene I'm, was. I'm just... Uh, didn't you? I've seen your I site, think, Dave Keishin's yeah. Die Hard alternate ending site. We should hold Dave personally responsible for this. But I mean, like, I, I can't... Like, well, the fact that I'm bringing it to the greater world, I suppose, is bad enough. <laughs> I'm thinking, like... A bazooka has a missile that points out that... No, no, a bazooka's usually you're, inside. You're thinking about an RPG, a rocket-propelled grenade. It's, like, got the big thing on the end of it that you can actually see. So a bazooka, like, it's not there's a point of missile, it's just it's like a charge. It's like a tube, uh, a tube. and yeah, then yeah. the rocket's inside, but you can't see it. But, I mean, I don't know. They did it in, in four lines, I think. If they someone had pointed... They're not like... Well, no. <laughs> Do you hear, actually, <laughs> four lines was supposed to be... It was due to air in the BBC, like, the day after the Boston Marathon, they pulled it. Yeah, well, that, that was just... You know, it was coincidence. Bad. It was it's coincidence. Like when 11 happened, they banned every song on the radio that mentioned, like, Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters wasn't allowed to be played. Anything with flying, it was just... Yeah. I, I can understand the logic behind it, but it, then it gets a bit... Full, it's probably a little bit more realistic. It was just, it was just a bit uh, too timely. But, I mean, it, it's not like when, after September 11th, and we're getting back to Simpsons, they said they would never show the New York episode ever again because yeah, of that's, that's ridiculous. the Twin Towers in it. And it's yeah. like, well, it's terrible what happened, but, but you know, it's still... Part of the but, past. But thankfully, time has actually you know, yeah, mended that. I mean, all the movies that have the old yeah, skyline I mean, in it have it. I mean, there's been a few. Well, they did. You talk, actually, to, just on a, it's a similar note like that. In wrestling, there's a wrestler called Chris Benoit who a couple of years ago, he was a world champion. He was he's one of the best of all time, future Hall of Famer. He snapped, killed his wife and kid and himself. Mm. And the WWF's policy now is every release, he's not to be mentioned. 
Like they've had to go back and edit WrestleMania because he was in the main event one year. That year, there's no main event. So like they've cut him out of the entire. And there's like cause there's argument online because he's like a classic wrestler. It's like you know, is it right? I personally think it's the right decision because like I'm, he was my favorite wrestler. I can't stand. I couldn't stomach the thought of watching him. Yeah, I don't. But I have to say, I, I, I've got a bit of a problem with it. I know. I mean, the ethics of truth in wrestling is probably not really going <laughs> to set the world on fire. But, um, but that is very like that is that is censorship on this kind of destroying history level. I mean, yeah, but I the mean, guy, the guy was a wrestler. He did snap. I mean, I think it's probably more important to sort of talk about to talk about him more. Why did he snap? Yeah, but I mean, Why but, did he kill his? Yeah, but, no, but go back. Like, That's take, the product, I suppose. Take WrestleMania 20. Like, like, he was billed as the good guy, the underdog, who went and won the title. Like, so the object is you watch... Like, when you watch a wrestling match, there's a good guy in the back and there's a guy you're cheering on. So you're potentially cheering on a guy who murdered his kid. I don't know. I can't fathom that. It's like, I can't... I can't understand. Like, I couldn't watch the match again. So I can understand why they take him out because, you know, it's like, yay, he won the champion and then yeah. he'd go on to kill his kid. I mean, ultimately, I think those sorts of decisions are commercial decisions. They know that there'd be a backlash for having him in there. So that's exactly right. And I think yeah. the, the more uh, kind of, I won't say legitimate, because we all know how valid wrestling is as an art form and it has its own kind of internal right. consistency. But cycling, cycling has had the um, Lance Armstrong incident yeah. and they've, got, they've retroactive and said, okay, well, he didn't win, but now they can't, Go they can't award it to anybody else because yeah, they, they showed this chart of like th- th- second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way down to God knows how many. Yeah, they were all on it as well. They'd all got caught out in yeah, that yeah. time. So for his entire run of, uh, was it seven? Yeah. No one won the Tour de France. You know, it's kind of, uh, yeah. but it's like it's a bit um, odd in the NRL way. when the, bull, um, the Melbourne Storm, that was stripped of due to salary cap issues. Um, yeah, there was no win. Like they didn't award it to Manly. They just stripped them of the premiership title. But So technically Melbourne won that year, but no one won. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you can rewrite, like, the history of it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I don't know. I mean, with something like that, where there's a salary cap breach and, and, and it can be established, you know, for the most part, mm. beyond a reasonable doubt that there was no, uh, that there was no cheating going all the way through the, the league, it makes sense to me to just award it to second place. Like, uh, I think, um, you know, was it Ben Johnson in the Olympics? Who, mm. The gold medal yeah, actually Carl got given Lewis to got the... It. Yeah, Carl Lewis yeah. got it from Ben Johnson. Yeah, I can, I can, but I can understand. No, in a team sport, I, I think it's, I don't know, like salary cap issue. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a good question. We started at Simpsons. We went to Die Hard and ended <laughs> yeah. up in sport. Well done. Yeah. I think. I think it's tough. We'll move on. You've given us thirty. I think that one go. Look, this one's. <laughs> it's a bit more of a traditional question I've yeah. heard before, but I think it's a good one. Um, three. This is a Ryan question. Three. If you can invite any three celebrities, you didn't specify, but living or dead, you can clarify it here. Uh, is it living or dead? Or I'm, I assumed living, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, living. Okay, we'll limit it to living. To dinner, who would you choose? That's not my question. It's not? No. Did I read it incorrectly? Yeah. What yeah. was... Hang on. The question was, if you could invite three celebrities to dinner, how much would you brag about it? Uh, see, there you go. You've just got an insight into my... Cel- I only read... Oh, wow, it is too. I only read the first <laughs> I only line. read the first three. Le- yeah. Well, how much would you brag... Well, it's... I think you'd tweet about it. You'd Facebook about it. Yeah, I'm quite vain, so I'd, I'd, I'd brag about it a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've had an interesting year because uh, in the past year, I've actually started, probably because of this podcast, but meeting a few people that are on TV. And uh, yeah, you kind of, it. it's interesting to meet like people who you see from TV, but then you realize, no, they're yeah. normal people too. Yeah, that's right. It's like, uh, it's, the, it's the temptation. It's that, it's that ever-present temptation 
to be a name dropper. And I mean, it's just it's one of my pet hates, the name dropper. Like, you just can't sort of. I know, I was just saying the same thing to Will Anderson the other day. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Will. You see what that was? That was a reverse. Good one, Mark. There yeah. you go. <laughs> no, I see. I, I, I'm like, this is actually my favorite story. My, like, my girlfriend, like, dealing in circles that we deal with, we deal with famous people. And I used to work on Good News Week and. I met a lot of famous people and my girlfriend hates it when I met, not that I mentioned them, but when I mentioned around her friend, like one day I was talking to her, I was talking to one of her friends. She goes, oh, and one of her friends goes, oh, do you know anyone famous? And I go, oh, well, I know Josh Thomas. He's a good mate. And my girlfriend goes, he's not a mate of yours. I've known you for two years. When was the last time you saw him? And I said, well, I saw him in comedy. You don't see someone every day. And Josh is pretty famous. Then I got, then we got to like, so I had that in mind. I was a bit angry. And then one day, we're in the streets of Sydney. Me and my girlfriend are walking along, and one of her friends was there. And we run into Josh. Josh stopped me. We shook we took, we shook hands, and it's like, oh, how are you going? We caught up, and then we walked off. And then I said to my girlfriend, she goes, oh, well, that was Jay. And I go, yeah. See, I told you he was my mate. Now I can name drop. So I got her back. Thank you, Josh Thomas. Hopefully coming soon to a Comedy on Edge podcast episode. Yes, indeed. But, I mean, yeah, in the whole, I, I don't know, I... I I get that it's not, like, for me, though, like, have you guys ever been, I've been put in this situation a lot, like, being, sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here, I'm trying to phrase this so I don't offend anyone, but comics, like, comedy is subjective, not everyone likes the same type of thing, so I, have you ever found yourself in the situation where someone will say, oh, comedy, so-and-so, that guy's not funny, have you ever, and you've had to defend them? I've found that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess the times that I've sort of done, and I'm not going to mention the comics that the, the conversation was about, but it ends up being, like, for me, it always just ends up being about, you're just talking to somebody who's just doing that tall poppy thing. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and I, I actually don't even, don't even really respect where the opinion is coming from a lot of the time. Um, I, I get that there's always going to be the subjective nature and there's going to be mm. people that just don't think it was funny. Um, but... The, the only times you really tend to have that conversation other than with other comics is when it's about somebody who's really big and really popular. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I feel, But funny. But there's a... Uh, I do a, a joke uh, when I perform. I call it a calibration joke where I tell two kind of jokes. And the first one is this joke about uh, a guy having a big, giant orange head. Now, I got that from the Aristocrats DVD, the, the, the extras. Yeah. And it was a, a comic says he uses this joke to find out if people are on his same humour level or not. So if someone laughs at that joke, that means he knows that they have the same sense of humour as him. And if they don't laugh at it, it's not that they don't find things funny, it's just they don't think along those lines. Yeah, right. And I've used it, like, it's a, it's a great technique, but I've used it on a few people to find out w- where their humour level is at. And, you know, some people will just get it and you just know that you'd be fine. But other people, if they don't get it, it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to really like the way I go with ideas because it's, you know, you, you think a different way. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's more when I'm, like, having uh, conversations with people offline and uh, you're just kind of riffing a little bit. And I, I kind of, like, will push the line every so often and sometimes it can offend. And, and, and you know, it's, the, it's those people I have to watch out for a little bit because like when you're in work, you can't offend and get away with it and say you're joking quite like you can when you're on stage, you know. It's like yeah. you'll, or even you just can, a, even just, just in a pub. Know or that you're not going to climb the ladder. Yeah. Well, no. It was like you know you can legitimately be on stage and says, "Well, I was trying to be funny." Whereas if you're in a if you're in a meeting with like 20 people and you say something a bit squirrely, you can't then sort of say, "Oh, I was trying to be funny." Mm. You know, it's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. 
which has happened. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like, well, that's let's let's back it up a bit. Like, like threes or not, if you could have one celebrity to dinner, yeah, who would you choose, living or dead? So I've reworked your joke, your 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 question there. Yeah, yeah. Who would I choose? Uh, Well, Well, Daving. I, well, I, I'm, I'm guessing a, the cast of Star Trek. <laughs> no, if I could, if I could pick one person to to meet, it uh, would be uh, Armando Iannucci, who is huge right now. Uh, with uh, just finished up the thick of it, and uh, is also responsible for the American show The Veep. But this is the guy. I gr- he was doing all comedy in the '90s on uh, British TV that I grew up on. So all all when I started getting into what I found funny and things I thought were funny. He was behind it. He was behind Alan Partridge. He was behind Chris Morris when oh, he wow. was doing all this stuff. He had this other show uh, that was called Mary Walsh's Experience. He was involved in that. He was producing radio shows and TV shows. And it's just so great to kind of see him now starting to span the world and the rest of the world begin to see his what humor. What would you do if you told him your joke and he didn't laugh? Ah, I would be happy to even get that far. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty... <laughs> what, what about you, Ron? Who would, who'd be your... Yeah, I mean... I. It, it would probably be Alan Davies. I mean, people who know me know that he's like an idol of mine in comedy. And oh, uh, I can see the beard. Do you? Yeah, you're inspired by that. He doesn't have a beard, doesn't he? No, oh, I'm confusing him with it, someone else. Yeah, you might be. <laughs> he's. A, I don't know. Fans of uh, fans of QI might know might know him. He's like the regular panelist on that show. Um, and I sort of. He was pretty pretty much the first reason why I even wanted to have a go at, at, at comedy, watching one of his gigs and just going, how the hell did he do that? You know, <laughs> laugh solely for an hour and a half. How did I, how did he make that happen? Oh. Well, that's well for me. Just if you're wondering, I've if you'd have asked me this five oh, five or seven years ago, I've I've actually met the person that I would invite. So it's different now. But I made a dick of myself in front of this person. You want to make amends? <laughs> no, no, it's just, I, if I could have had the time over, I would. And you're going to love this story because there's a massive amount of name dropping. Oh, good. That's yeah, why yeah. I was thinking to myself, let's tee it in. Now, basically, 2007, I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival and they have a media launch where you're in a room with all the journalists and a lot of big name comics were there, a lot. And I went in and I was just like overall on my wall and I just, I just started talking to this guy who was next to the drinks. I'm like, hey, mate, how are you going? We're just chatting along. We had a chat. I, it was from overseas. I picked up the accent. I'm like, oh, yeah, man. How long are you here for? Oh, do, oh you're doing the cool. Um, you know, just having a really good chat. Like, we were genuinely having a chat. And then a friend of mine came over, Eddie If, the comedian. There's the name drop. Mm-hmm. And Eddie comes up, shakes the hand. Let me, I pick, knew Eddie. Let me pick that up. Sorry. Yeah, pick, pick up the name. Pick up the name. <laughs> I, could, I, was, I was just thinking there's about 10 more comics I could name drop just for Ryan, but yeah. we won't. We should do it because then we can tag them into the podcast. It's keyworded. But then... Eddie came up and shook hands with me and he goes, Dylan Moran, how are you? And then the penny dropped that the guy I was talking to was Dylan Moran. My f- Black Books is one of my favourite shows of all time. And I went from having a normal conversation to realising, you've just talked to one of your heroes. You didn't know who they were. And then he, the next part of my conversation was, yeah, this good, but... And it was over. I really made a dick of myself. I didn't like you. What's the, what are you doing? And then, like, I was part of it. Was like, Manny, Manny. Did you say, "Can we hang out" or something after that? Oh, Can I we just, hang out? I How sort of slunk you not off. Recognize him. He's pretty distinctive looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen? You've obviously never done a month-long comedy festival. He just flown in. He had a hat on. He oh, had, it's a hat. Oh. He, no, he had a hat on. Was, was he wearing He, was, he well? wasn't shaved. It was like he wasn't wearing all black. He was dressed pretty concerned. Like I just didn't recognize. And there's another guy who there's another guy, Mick Moriarty from the Gadflies who looks very similar to him. I 
think I thought I was talking to Mick Moriarty. Like, just be around a festival. And yeah, it was just, I made a dick of myself. Do you think he noticed? He was probably just really pleasantly kind of, conversa- yeah. like, the conversation wasn't this sort of awestruck nonsense it's that probably he probably gets all the time. more in my mind, but, like, we had a good conversation. Then, then he, to be honest, he started talking to Eddie, and I sort of, the speeches started, and we sort of, yeah, and then we just drifted. I didn't get to say goodbye, and to be honest, I don't know if I could have said it. Like, you know, and... To be honest, I was just glad because I had a stack of flyers for my show. Part of me was thinking, I was just like, don't fly a Dylan Moran, don't fly a Dylan Moran. So I didn't. Right. Actually, I've got a friend who can top that. She used to work in Elizabeth's Books in the city. Um, and she's been working two times. One time, he walked into the shop. She was too nervous to say anything. Then a couple of months later, Bill Bailey walked into the shop. Yeah. And it's just like, you're getting to live black books. That's pretty amazing. She just needs Fran to come in and she's got the trifecta. But yeah. she's now a lawyer. She doesn't actually work in a bookshop anymore. Right. But I mean, for me now, like just now that I've had met Dylan, for me, it would be Paul Keating. He'd be the one I'd like to meet. Him and Axel Rose. It'd be a good conversation. That's an eclectic mix, yeah. It'd be good. You know, yeah. Axel could sing us a song. Paul could tell us what an arsehole John Howard is. It's, it's all good. Do you think they'd get along? No, but I don't think those guys <laughs> would get along with most people. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. They're, they're pretty divisive characters. Definitely. What I think we might do now, we've, we've, I'll finish off with some rapid fire Q&A, just so we can get to know, just so you guys can get to know us. And if you want to tweet us about something, you can. So I'm going to ask questions and I just want first response, nothing else. Okay. So favorite movie, Dave? Die Hard. Right. Star Wars. Star Wars. Which one? Uh, well, if I have to choose one out of the lot, it would be Empire Strikes Back. Okay. For me, it's Karate Kid. Favourite band, Dave? Oh, you too, of course. <laughs> Sorry. Favourite non-Irish band, Dave? The uh, Danny Warhols. Oh, nice. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, the Cure. The Cure. You am I. Favourite colour, Dave? Blue. Blue. Red. Just contrarian, Mark. Just contrarian. Oh, if we were all alike, we'd all be Mormons. Favourite religion, Dave? Uh, the First Church of Captain James T. Kirk. Oh, God, why did I even ask? Ryan. Yeah, the I, I'm actually, I have a Facebook page on that if people want to sign up for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, poke him on that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> poke him. Yeah, I'd go with that Jedi thing that happened in the census a little while back. Yeah, Jedi, nice. I like the Mormons. They contribute a lot to popular culture. <laughs> they, well, they com- they're, they're gold for comedy. It's yeah. gold. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for continuing to support Comedy on Edge, the podcast. We're going to keep going. Um, stay tuned. We've got some live show announcements going to be coming out soon. Make sure you follow the website. Check out the website, comedyonedge.com. Follow us all on Twitter. Um, Dave will put our Twitter addresses up on the website. If you listen to us on iTunes, give us a star rating, give us a review. It really does help and it costs nothing. I can't stress that enough. Help nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in. I've been Mark Williamson, joined by Ryan and Dave. Have a good week. Dave, hit the music. Music.